Awesome. Grateful that you're here. I can't believe that it's finally over. I can't believe that we've got to this day and this is the end. I know what some of you are thinking about. I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about our series together. Together closes out today, and so does the football season, but most of you should be excited about this Together series. We have been trying to bring together a team of people, the the Bible would say the Lord's army, to do the work of the Lord and move the mission. And we're excited that you're here, and hopefully you'll be cheering today as loud as some of you will be, and watching commercials and eating ungodly types of food. At least that's what I don't know. I don't know what you guys do, but that's what I do. Hopefully you'll be cheering today in your heart by the end of the message because today we're going to talk about acceptance. I do want to make one little plug in your head. In two weeks, 17 of us are going to go on a pilgrimage to Israel. And if you want to watch as we go online, um, I have some stuff. I'm actually doing one next year as well, and we're going to try and get a couple more pastors and a bunch of people to go. If you want to go online and look me up on Facebook, we'll be posting stuff. Man, it is powerful. I came back last year truly refreshed and renewed, and this year I'm super excited. So 2018, we have some things that if you're interested, we'd love for you to Think about, pray about, let me plant that seed in because, man, it's a life-changing pilgrimage into the land where Jesus walks, and we will touch things that Jesus touched and walked where he did, and it's pretty amazing. As we close up this series together, we see all these faces on this um, PowerPoint. We need to come together as Christians, building an army. Success for God's kingdom is us being together. That's what he wants for us. That's what we've been trying to preach as we've gone through the last five weeks of committing together, being patient together, having hope together. Last week, Jeremy did a phenomenal job of being in self-control together, and today we close with this concept of acceptance, being in acceptance together. Now, before we move on, I want to say next week we're going to do a series called Multiplied. God loves to multiply things in your life. There's stories in the Bible about things being multiplied. Stick around. We're going to do a short series about being multiplied, and it should be really good for you, and we'll get into that more. But next week, we're going to start a series called Multiplied. These series are important for us as we go through the Bible to look through the lens of the Bible through a different concept. What I've learned over the last few weeks is looking through the Bible and trying to find moments in the Bible where people come together and do great things for the kingdom of God. And that's what we are going to do again today as we close out together. Church is supposed to be a winning team. There's no losers in people that come to church. Is that what the Bible says? The church should always be a winning team and a growing team. And in those teams, we want to go out and love the world. We've kind of devised some sub-teams or small teams this year so that you can go out on your week-to-week life and start praying for people and praying for things in the church. And it allows us to focus. I don't know about you, but I need to focus on one or two things every week. So here's what we've done. We've created three teams. This is Team Salvation, this is Team Revelation, and this is Team Transformation. And the concept is, while you're out through the week, this thing, wherever you sit at, you should be praying for that. Praying for transformation, praying for revelation, and praying for salvation. All of those things are important. 
Salvation gets us into heaven, but transformation gets us to walk on this earth and look at things differently. And revelation draws us into that deep relationship with God. So hopefully you'll be a part of this week in and week out and watch things start to change in your life as you start being a, become part of the team that God has created us to be, a powerful team. Now, I don't know if you guys know this man. I know a few of you do because you guys are studious in your, um, your readings, but there's this guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Jeremy loves him. Jeff Barnett worships him. It's pretty crazy. We almost have to bring him down a little bit. But he's a, he's a great theologian, and here's what he says. Now, this is confusing. I'm, I've got a, a, a dyslexia, so when I read this, it doesn't make sense, so I have to tell it into my English, but here's what it says. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than a Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. I get, a, I get to meet a lot of people, and some have gone to church before. And they're like, my old church was this, and we did that. And, well, I don't go there anymore because I didn't really like it. But we used to do a couple of good things. And I said, well, then you should stay if you like that. We come to church and try and build this perfect community, and we don't have perfection on earth except through Jesus Christ. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect community. There's definitely no perfect small group. And in this church, there's a bunch of imperfect pastors and leaders and unfortunately uh, congregational members. We need to make sure that we don't come in and try and make this or look for this perfect community. And I have personal friends, some that are great friends of mine that have been on this Christian search for years. I have a friend 12 years been looking for the perfect church. You know what? Better chance going to heaven because that's where you're going to find it. You're not going to find it on earth. And what this, this Bible says, people come in with great wisdom and earnestness wanting to make this perfect community. It's not possible. The only thing that's possible is to tap in to almighty God through Jesus who is perfect in all ways. The Hebrew author writes to us as a congregation, he says this, he says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some of you do, but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord is drawing near. Whatever you believe about the day of the Lord drawing near, it is coming. And we should be encouraged and we should not neglect meeting together wherever you decide to go. If this isn't a perfect fit for you, please, I beg you, I say this regularly, go find a place that makes sense. Because you need to hear God's voice, you need to want to be a part of that team, and you, want to, you should want to move the mission for God. This verse tells us in Hebrews 10.25 that in the midst of two or three hundred, he is here and he wants to encourage you. One of the reasons we come together on Sundays is to be encouraged, to be convicted, to be challenged, but ultimately to be encouraged that no matter what happens, I have the Lord on my side. And he's my friend, he's my savior, he's my hope, he's my everything. And that's what the purpose for us on Sunday morning is to encourage each other so that we can be stronger in our faith. So today, let's talk about acceptance. It's a hard topic. Because today, we seem to be very divided in, in many areas of our life. So we're going to talk about it. And it could offend some people when you think about what the author writes today. You know, as a church, we worship really well together. You guys do a great job. I mean, I know that we get so blessed when I come up here and hear you sing. 
It's better because when I'm down there, I can only hear myself sing, so it's really bad. But we worship really, really well, really well here, and, and I'm grateful for our worship team and everybody that comes in and volunteers to be on that team. It's just an amazing team. We fellowship pretty good as well. I mean, you look at the men and women's groups and some of the Bible studies and this night of, uh, of generosity, it's going to be a great night of fellowship, I promise you. We are really good at this as well. Probably one of the best churches from Westlake to Santa Barbara in the fellowship. That's just who we are. We've made this church about fellowship, but in our acceptance, we have some work to do. And honestly, we might be one of the better churches in accepting anybody as well, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a lot of work to do because people in church offend people in church. Pastors in church offend a lot of people in church. So we need to learn and get, uh, learn to become more accepting and more understanding and grow in this concept of acceptance is key for all mankind. As I was talking to, uh, with Dustin and Jeremy and Odell about the message, Dustin's like, we need to make sure everybody understands what acceptance means. What does acceptance mean? Here's what the dictionary or the psychological uh, definition of acceptance means. It says this, acceptance in human psychology is a person's assent to, reality of, to the reality of a situation, recognizing a process or condition, often negative or uncomfortable, without attempting to change it or protest it. We are coming to a place where we see a situation and generally it's negative or uncomfortable. Who likes to be uncomfortable? That's amazing. But we are uncomfortable in many ways in our life and throughout the week and throughout our, our, our existence. But the idea of acceptance in a human way, the way that the mind thinks is when we accept it, we're coming in saying, I'm not going to try and change you, and I'm not going to protest you. I'm going to let you be you, and I don't necessarily have to agree with that. This isn't an agreement. Because of who you are, I don't have to agree with what you believe or what you're doing or what you're protesting. I just need to accept you for you. I need to find common ground and common place, and sometimes in church, that that common ground or common place is only Jesus, and everything else is different. But that's the beauty of it. At least we have one thread of common ground or common place, and that thread is bigger than anything in this world. And that's what God wants to bring to the table today. Today we're going to go in, and I had to make an audible. So it's a football term. You get up, and you're getting ready to make this awesome play. And I was studying, I was going to tell a story about Joshua today, and I looked up something, and Romans 15 came up, and I had to change, because that's what God wanted to talk about. It was a better, more uh, acceptable scripture, so we did make an audible today, and uh, so it should work out well, hopefully, as long as you've been praying for revelation, and God will show up. So if you're able to stand, let's stand, let's read from the word of God. Listen, I love the word of God, I read it every day, not because I have to, because I'm a pastor, because the truth is, you don't. I could set it on my table and pick it up one day a week, and it would be okay. It would be terrible for you, but it would be okay for me. But I do it because it's life-giving. It transforms me. It soothes my soul, and it brings peace into my heart, even in the midst of trials and chaos. So let's read the word of God, and then let's pray. We who are strong, Romans 15.1, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive to things like this. 
We must not please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself, as the scripture says, the insults of who insult you, O Lord, have fallen on me. Such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Verse 5 says, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as it is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7 is really the concept today that we're getting to. This is the whole message. It says, therefore, connecting everything prior to this, accept each other just as Christ accepted you so that God will be given the glory. Remember that Christ came to you as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises that he has made to his ancestors. He also came to show the Gentiles much... uh, to came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a perfect God and you sent a perfect sacrifice and you've given us a savior. And as we come today with our division, our hearts divided and our minds divided and our, 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 our wills divided, Lord, will you bring us together in one harmony? One body working for the good of you and your purposes. Speak to us today. Lord, speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Break down the walls of pride and stubbornness and selfishness so that we can learn to accept people and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Apostle Paul, one of the great writers in the New Testament, we say that regularly here because we teach a lot about Paul because he's got a lot of books in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes to a church and he's writing to a church in in Rome and he's trying to explain to them uh, about how to accept people. And here's the problem with the church in Rome. Rome was this dynamic. Who's been to Rome here? Wow, you guys are awesome. I haven't, so... Um, Rome was this dynamic cultural place. It had all kinds of culture, and there were very diverse culture back then. And here's the type of people that were in the church congregation. There were Jews and Gentiles. They were completely opposite. They, they worshiped God differently. They had different eating habits and cultures and the way that they, they cleansed themselves. It was just different. They had slaves, and they had slaves that were free, so that was some conflict. They had rich and poor. We understand the conflict there. And they also had people that were considered weak and strong. They call that out in 14. Weak and strong. What does that mean? Well, in some aspect, it says they had weak people in faith. But others, it were just like weak individuals in in self. They they weren't strong enough to do the will of God. So that you could see the Apostle Paul is writing in chapter 15 as he's getting ready to close this chapter. He's saying, listen, I need you guys because you're so diverse to become one. And that will be a blessing to all of mankind and especially to this great city, Rome. Now, what I want to do today is I want to tell a story. Now, with that story, I need to bring out one of the pieces. The story's called The Knife. 
Now, I got a knife here, and I'm using this. It was a gift of mine from one of my great friends as a covenant between our friendship. And the story that I'm going to tell you is a knife, but a lot of times in um, sermons, we forget them by Monday or Tuesday. So hopefully, the one thing you'll get is your pastor was wheeling a knife in front of you, cursing at you. So be afraid. So here's the story of called the knife. Sunday afternoon at grandma's house, the family came together and sat around this big oak table eating dinner as they did on a regular basis. And all of a sudden, Kate, the granddaughter, started giggling and says, Grandma, you're so silly. And everybody's eyes went to grandma on what she was doing. Grandma took her knife, probably not like this took her knife and was scooping up her peas with her knife to eat them. The funny thing was, is as grandma would scoop 15 or 20, only one would make it to her mouth. And everybody started laughing. And then grandma says, there's a story behind this unorthodox way of eating peas. And so she goes back into her repertoire and brings this story out. She says, during the depression, when I was a child, We were very poor, as many people in our neighborhood, very poor, but we had plenty of food in our house because my dad had this amazing garden. He'd done a great job, and there was always tons of food because of the garden. They lived in this area that was close to a train track, and the hobos would regularly come off the train. They called jumping a train, and they would come knocking out the door because it was one of the first houses, and they were starving and famished. Her dad, on a regular basis had an extra seat at the table, knowing that there was a good chance a couple times a week someone would jump a train and come and be completely starving. One Sunday afternoon, she could hear her dad yell, put another seat at the table, we have a friend coming for dinner. He's extremely hungry, and it doesn't look like he speaks much English. He goes, this is Henry. Henry walks into the door. Big, tall man. You could tell he doesn't understand or doesn't speak English. When dinner was ready, Henry stood up until everybody sat. And then he sat down. And he took off his hat and bowed his head, expecting people to pray. And they did. After the prayer was done, they passed out food. They filled their plates full of food. And they began to look at Henry because it was proper back in the day for you to watch your guest take the first bite and then everybody, it was okay to eat after that. Now, Henry was starving. These hobos sometimes were traveling looking for work and they maybe not eat for a day or two. Henry wasn't watching that everybody was watching him and he grabbed his knife from the table and started scooping peas. Every time he scooped, he got a full pull to his mouth. Every time he scooped, he got every pea, never dropping one. And grandma says, me and my sister started giggling because we'd never seen anything like that. And she started giggling. And all of a sudden, everybody was, was looking at them giggling. And dad looked at them with an evil stare. And as he was getting ready to eat his food, he puts down the fork. And he picks up a knife. And he starts eating the peas like Henry. The problem was, he was dropping all of them. He'd get one or two, and it took him forever to eat his peas. As grandma's telling the story to her family, she says, my dad never picked up a fork that night. 
He never picked up his fork. He ate just like Henry did with his knife. The interesting thing part about the story is she said, it was one of my father's silent lessons in acceptance. How important acceptance is. How important it is for us to understand it. Her dad understood that this man, Henry, was coming into a foreign country, into a foreign house, not knowing people, and he didn't want him to feel any less uncomfortable, so he ate like him to make him feel like he was at home. And Grandma said, at her young age, I understood the greatness of my father's simple act of brotherly love and brotherly acceptance and how it made that man feel. And after she told the story, the family all went to the table and started trying eating their peas with a knife. The knife story is about being accepting to other people and understanding other people for who they are and what they are. It shows a simple acts bring people into a better place so that we can have a better understanding and an opportunity to share the love of God. We as Christians have made this about us and I got to get discipled and I've got to grow and I've got to receive all this. It's all me, me, me. And the truth is, it's all about other people. It's not about me. And that's what the Apostle Paul writes to this diverse church. He's saying, listen, when in Rome, be like the Romans. And that's what the knife story tells us. When we're in a situation, try and be acceptable and not um, one that deject people. Listen to what the first couple of verses says. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not please ourselves. We're not here for ourselves, he's saying. We should help other people, build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please, for him, please himself. Listen, when he's writing here, he's talking about chapter 14. So if you're looking for some homework tonight and you're bored, or if you want to read Romans, read 14. And 14 is about the dangers of criticism, and there's a lot of stuff about food. There's a lot of stuff in there in 14 about food, because back in those days, food is a big part of our life, right? And it was a big part of the division of a church. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes about stronger and weaker and the dangers of criticism in verse 14.1. It says, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what you think is right or wrong. He says, go into a place and if Henry comes to eat dinner, accept them for who they are. Don't go and say, hey, you're not supposed to eat with a fork. That's ridiculous. What are you, some kind of hobo? That's what happened at my house, by the way, but that's not what happened at, uh, sorry, Dan. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to actually turn this over and accept people for who they are. And that's what God was teaching us through the Apostle Paul. Paul is writing to a church that's got all kinds of division and they need to change. We need to build people up, he says. We need to be considerate. We need to learn to understand acceptance and make it a part of who we are. Take people in. Don't discriminate. Don't show favoritism. Give favor away. The Bible says Christ didn't come to live for himself. He came to change the world by serving others. We see that in Scripture. Verse 5 says, May God who gives... This patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as it's fitting for followers of Jesus. Then all of you 
can join together with one voice, praising, uh, giving praise and glory to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to come together, put aside our differences, and lift our voices like we were just a few minutes ago in worship. Because that's honorable and praising to God the Father. We need to go out of our way to accept people when they come into our life welding something that might be different than what we're used to. This world is divided because we are divided in our souls. Someone needs to be right and someone needs to be wrong. Someone's strong and someone's weak. And the Apostle Paul says, those that are strong, you shouldn't use your opinions and your preferences to downgrade someone who is weak. It says this, verse 7, therefore, and this is the summary. The Apostle Paul is really good at summarizing stuff. And he's kind of summarizing the first six verses, but also up to chapter 14. So he's putting all these things together and he says this. Therefore, as we're talking about those that are weak and their faith in 14, and those that are struggling in the church, this diverse church, he says, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God so that God will be given the glory. He says, therefore, everything you've now heard, now accept each other. Because Christ has accepted you. And now he's changed the whole concept of what we're talking about. Now it's just not me accepting other people. It's, wait, I received something first. And that was Christ accepted me. And ultimately, it will glorify God by that. And then he gives these really two amazing verses that I love. It says in verse 8, Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that, the, that God is true to the promises he made to the ancestors. One of the reasons that Christ came was to show and evangelize the people that were Jewish. They were to look at their scriptures and they were to read them and they were to go, this is the Messiah. And he came to fulfill the prophetic writings that were in the Old Testament. And then he talks about you and me. And then he also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. Listen, God opened up the kingdom of God to all people. He has given all of us mercy. And we should praise him on a regular basis when we come together. Because that's what he wants, to, he wants us to do. This is the God-given glory. Paul's reason... Why we should accept one another is because Christ has accepted you and I. Me being maybe the worst of all of us in this room. But the Apostle Paul writes, I want you to accept everyone because Christ has accepted everyone even when they weren't acceptable. Listen, we can't divorce the concept of this. That you are to, you are to accept God. I mean, you are to accept other people. But Christ accepted you. And what I mean by that is this. While we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ accepted us. While we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ accepted us. While we were enemies of God, Romans 5, 11, he accepted us. That's what God is trying to challenge us to understand. While we were his enemies, while we were still sinners, while we were not seeking after him, he still went out and reached for us. He brought us into the fold. He came looking for us when we were lost and hopeless and our condition looked like it was never going to change. He came to bring us peace. And he didn't ask any one of you 
when you came to the floor meeting Jesus to change who you are, to become a different person. He didn't ask you to sign a blood covenant. He didn't ask for anything except your voice and your heart confessing that he is Lord and Savior. None of us deserve that. But he still accepted you while you were still sinning, while you were still searching things for yourself. He brought you into the fold. It shows us the image of the prodigal son story. When the father sees his son come back in, that's Jesus watching and running to you when he sees you coming to the, thresh, uh, coming to the, the farm saying, I'm back. I was lost, but now I'm found. Jesus ran to you on that day when you accepted the Lord and he put a robe and a, a ring on your finger and he says, now you're part of the kingdom. And he didn't say, look at what you've done. You spent half of our inheritance. You blew all of our money. Everybody's angry at you. You've been with hookers and prostitutes. You're dirty and filthy and you've been sinning. He didn't say any of that. He just said, welcome home. Welcome home. You are now a child of God. You are now a child of mine. Start spending off of my account again because I love you. And that's what Christ did. That's the image. While we were smelly and dirty and full of filthy sin in our life, Christ accepted us so that we can be right and whole with God. And what happens is we forget about that when we come to someone that we struggle with, someone that we don't understand and that's what we're trying to understand today jesus says in john 6 38 all who come to me i will never reject that's a promise if you come to me and you're open and you're willing he says i will never reject and he shows us as an image how to become accepting of other people that's what christ does so here's three things to kind of bring this together. Here's three points that bring this together. Here's three things. The first one is that each other that you are to accept is precisely the one who is different than you. That each other in that therefore accept each other, that each other is going into a church and looking for that one that is completely different from you, the one that you would never hang out with and go, that's the one I need to accept. That's what he's talking about here. The second one is the reason for accepting each other is that Christ accepted you when you didn't deserve it. You, when you think about why you're struggling with other people, realize that you didn't deserve what God gave you. And you need to put that in the forefront day in and day out. And the last one is the goal of accepting each other is the glory of God. I accept each other that are different, not agreeing with them, but accepting them for who they are so that I have an opportunity to connect with them on a single thread, maybe through Jesus, so that we can share the love of God and maybe have a, a, a huge impact in their life and in their family. That's the purpose. And what happens is we're more worried about my position and my opinion and how I believe. And so we divide people. And the Apostle Paul is writing to a divided, a divided church and saying, come together 
in one accord, praising one God with the same Holy Spirit. None of you were acceptable until Christ accepted you into the kingdom, and now all of you are one. Paul is writing to the Jews and Gentiles in Rome and at this church saying, don't just come together as one, but also lift your voices together and praise God so that everybody in Rome will see, look at this group of eclectic people. Look at this group. They shouldn't be doing anything together and they're doing life together. They're serving the Lord together and they're sharing the love with people that they generally wouldn't hang out with. And that's what church does. It brings people together and helps us share our heart with people maybe that we would never have met in the real world. Christ shows us that. So before I kind of conclude here, I need to say something. And this is about a 30-second, the shortest message you're ever going to hear. There's another acceptance, and that's accepting God's plan for you. You really are going to struggle accepting other people if you can't accept your current situation and God's plan in your heart right now. You will never learn to accept other people if you can't take God's plan and accept it into your heart and make it part of who you are. So the first thing you do if you're struggling to accepting other people is look at your situation, good, bad, or indifferent, and say, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I hate when I used to hear this on, on stage when I was sitting down there. Some pastor would say, if you're in your current situation, that's exactly where you're supposed to be. Don't you hate that? I don't want to be there. I want to be somewhere else. But the day that you accept and wave the white flag, I surrender to win, is the day that everything starts to change. Because that's what the Father wants. So we need to accept God's plan, and then we need to learn to accept other people. It kind of goes hand in hand. First, God's plan usually works better, and then we can learn to accept other people. So what's the solution? How do we do that? Well, we learn to submit to God. We submit to God, and then if we submit to God, then it's easy to accept other people. The problem is all of us submit half-heartedly to God. And we accept people partially. They work hand in hand. Those that fully submit to God have a great relationship and usually accept all kinds of people, all walks of life. Those that partially do it struggle with everybody in the world. In their home, in their neighborhood, at work or at school, they struggle. So we need to come to that place of fully submitting to God and fully submitting to other people. Giving that love. Our mission of loving the world one person at a time is not just a great Toyota commercial. It's actually something that God wants us to do. Does this world not lead more love? It needs a lot more love and it needs a lot more acceptance. Not agreeing, but accepting. How do we do that? Bonhoeffer says in this book, Quotes for uh, life together, he says this. I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, no, how mu no matter how much trouble he causes me. And listen, I'm not one of those cop-out pastors. Just pray about it. Have a good day. I'm telling you to wear out the threads in your carpet or the wood floors in your house or the cement in your prayer closet and pray for these people. I'm a professional resenter. 
I resent a lot of people until I learn to pray and let that stuff go. Pray about it and earnestly pray about it. And all of a sudden, you're investing into a spiritual place in people's life. And now you can't really get upset because you're investing in their spiritual journey. And when you're investing in that spiritual journey, everything changes. You see them differently. Hey, Bob at work, he was nice to me today. He only pushed me three times to the coffee counter, right? That was way better than seven times yesterday. You start seeing things differently because you're investing in people and their spiritual walk. Bonhoeffer says, I can never not love somebody, another brother or sister, when I'm praying for them. So I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think of the person that you're struggling with the most. And if it's me, go see Jeremy. I want you to think about that person that you're struggling with today. I mean, their enemy. Not the best friend that you've got an issue with on who he likes on the Super Bowl. I'm talking about your enemy, the person that you're against right now. And if you're saying, I have nobody, I don't know if that's true. And I want you just to say a prayer. Lord, help me accept that person. Teach me how to pray for them today and forever. Father, we come to you at the close of this sermon and at the close of this series, bringing us together. Lord, will you unite us as a church as we commit to you, as we patiently wait for you, as we hope for you in all that you are, as we learn to be in self-control? Lord, teach us to accept each other as we close this series so that your kingdom and your people will rise up and be a light to this world. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you're here today and you feel lost and lonely and dejected, Jesus says, I'll never reject you and I'll never forsake you. If that's you today and you want a fresh start, you want to be accepted maybe for the first time ever in your life, Today's the day to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, pray a prayer of salvation. Repeat after me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul. And be my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died and you rose again so that I may have eternal life. Even if I don't understand that. Holy Spirit, come upon me, fill my life, and teach me how to follow you all the days of my life.